שבוע טוב, and yes, you're listening to 101.9 Chai FM, full of power, and this afternoon, full of Torah power, because uh, at this slot, and certainly this time of the day, we spend time reflecting on our ancient scriptures and that which has held the Jewish people together for the last thousands and thousands of years, um, last three, three and a half thousand years, particularly as the Jewish people, but certainly the world has been held together by the words of Torah and its wisdom. Um, and today we are going to continue, as we have started a couple of weeks ago, studying the book of Genesis and actually understanding Genesis itself, the whole creative process and how God brought our world as we know it um, into being. And why is it such an important task to learn that? And in fact, Rashi asks, why not start the Torah from the first mitzvah, from the first commandment given to the Jewish people, um, if it is just a book of laws of to-dos and to-don'ts, and, and to-don'ts, listen to me, and to-dos and don'ts, then start with the laws. Don't start with the narrative, the, the, the story behind it. And there are many, many reasons given um, for the fact that we actually go prior to the time that the Jews were created. In fact, we go all the way to the beginning, to when God created our world, our, our reality, because it's important. It, it gives us the foundation of why are we here in this world? What are we doing? Why was a world created that is so intricate, that is so complex, that is so beautiful? That shows a divine imprint. Why was, why is it all here? Surely one could sit back and ponder. And, uh, my question is, do you ever ponder it? Why, why was this all done? Because if it was, if, if life is just about a frivolous existence of us living for 80, 90, 120 years and we kind of like make our mark and then just Move on somewhere along the annals of history, you get forgotten about. I actually remember having a conversation um, with somebody. It was quite an interesting conversation. This person, a non-Jewish person, came from a lineage of many, many. It, it went father, son, father, son, father, son. He was carrying his his name. In fact, I think um, I can't remember. I can't remember um, his his name in full. Um, And anyway, I probably would not mention it over the radio waves. Nevertheless, he was, let's call him John Smith Jr. But he was John Smith Jr. number 14 because his father was John Smith and his grandfather before him and backwards, etc., all the way down. And he proudly told me about their lineage and everything that, 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 you know, that preceded him. And then I asked the question, well, are you married and are you going to give birth? To a John Smith, to make the next John Smith in the greater scheme of things. And his reply, very interestingly, was no. So I asked him, well, how are you going to maintain that immortality? How are you going to maintain that family lineage? And he replied that what he wants to do is he wants to change the world by creating certain things, you know, um, doing certain things that he will leave as a memorial for, 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 for the world. And I thought about that, and, and I, I don't know how you feel about it, 
But at the end, I said to him, that's, you know, good and well and fine. But you're almost guaranteed that if you do not procreate and you not, do not create the next generation to carry on that lineage, perhaps even if you create something like unbelievable, you know, that you'll get a Nobel Prize for that the entire world, you know, somewhere along the line, your contribution eventually will wane and wane and wane and a generation two, three, four, ten, you will no longer be remembered. You no longer will have any memory left in this world. And in fact, sadly, what you're doing now is causing the death of the lineage of your family and the purpose for which you guys were created. And this really, if you think about it, is is very important because by us learning about the creation of the world, understanding what Adam and Eve did and what how 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 they they lived their lives and so forth and so on and going back through the story and understanding that each and every single one of us is a descendant of someone back behind us that has has changed the world then we become part of a much greater chain and a, a chain that we know that our efforts are not going in vain but as soon as we box ourselves and we see our existence only as who we are. This is me, myself, and I. I'm born in such a date. I'll die at such a date. And, you know, I'm just for myself in this world and I'm just going to live my life the way it is. You kind of like miss the whole picture. And that's why it's so important about going back and understanding how the world was created, why the world was created, what is the purpose of this world, what was, why was man placed in this world, what does it mean that we, what, what we have to do, what we have to pass on as a message to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. That is one of the reasons why God goes all the way back to the beginning and he says, Bereshit bara Elohim. This is when God created the world. This is why he created the world. This is what he wants of us. This is what he needs of us. This is the complexity of why the world is so beautiful. God really took a lot of time. He is the architect supreme, okay, in understanding each and every single detail and in each and every single nuance about life because life is purposeful. Life has a mission. Life has meaning. You are important that you are living today in 2019 on this planet, wherever you find yourself, with the circumstances in which you find yourself. Each and every single thing is vitally important. And therefore, the study of Bereshit, of Genesis is actually studying our blueprint, understanding who we are and what this world is about. So I welcome you on this journey and I welcome any questions, any comments, anything you'd like to say on the subject, anything that perhaps um, is bothering you. You can always SMS on 34519. Our WhatsApp number is 061 Eight nine five one zero one nine, and if you really want to have a whole chat, then we certainly can talk on o one o one four o three o two o. So we're in um, verse three. We didn't get too far because there's just so much to say. We're in verse three of chapter one of the Bible, and we're starting now to get into the nitty gritties of what creation is all about. The first two verses, the first verse spoke about the fact that God created heaven and earth, everything in heaven, everything that, that, that was on earth. In fact, many of the opinions hold that God created everything on that very first day. And like a chef 
who prepares a five-course meal, has everything prepared in the kitchen. All God had to do then moving forward was bringing out the various courses, which he did through the course of the six days of creation. And primarily in verse 2, we have learned that this world was astonishingly empty. Okay, Things hadn't been put into place that there was a darkness which the rabbis actually go and say was the primordial fire, um, the, 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 the heat and the intensity and the fire that we find at the core of this planet um, and that God was hovering over its existence until he starts, so to speak, serving up the courses that uh, – that, 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 that he has prepared. And now we are going to be coming, um, shortly after this break to the verse where God starts serving first course. So hang in there. And, uh, as always, 34519, if you'd like to share in the conversation, 061-895-1019. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back. And we are going to listen to really the first course that God dishes up to the world, and that is the beautiful creation of light. God says in verse 3, Vayomer Elohim, God says, Yehi or, let there be light, Vayehi or, and there was light. And uh, verse 4 continues the narrative, Vayar Elohim etaor, God saw the light, Kitov, that it was good. Vayavdal Elohim, Ben Haor, Ubena Choshech, God separated between the light and the darkness. Vayikrai Elohim laor yom, He called the, the, the light day. And to the darkness, he called that night. And it was evening and it was morning one day. A tremendous amount to be said over here. Firstly, we've got to go back to the understanding. It says that God created this world through speech. Um, in fact, we have two verses in Tehillim, which we have learned uh, previously on this show where it says Bidvar Hashem Shamaim Nasu with the word of God heaven was made and we've got another place in Tehillim which reads Kihutsiva Venivrahu he commanded and it was created. The force through which God created was through the power of speech. We are now going to see the word Vayomer and he said and this is the way that the Torah describes how God wills things to come into, into reality. Now, the Rambam, Maimonides say, whether we use the word Amar, say, or Davar, speak, ostensibly, this is not about God speaking or saying as we understand speaking or saying. It actually makes no difference um, from God's perspective, how this came, this, this came about. But because we are human beings and the Torah says, Dibra Torah Kilshon Bene Adam, that Torah expresses itself in the language of man. So Torah comes and explains as if we, as if God was, and he's not, but human, through human terms, it's explaining that God said, that he spoke. But really, what we can understand is that 
you know, um, whether it was through, you want to call it through a supernatural voice, you want to call it through a, a, a way of, of prophecy, they're all manifestations of the divine will. And uh, as we're going through the uh, verses of the Torah, I'd like to make a shout out because I believe I have some very young listeners listening in. So hello to Oshi, to Mendel and to Hannah. I'm glad that you have joined in. Right, so Vayomer Elohim, we will see the word to say many times now, and God said, let there be, and whatever God says to be becomes manifest in this world. And we are taught that there were actually ten ma'amarot, there were ten sayings, meaning almost there were ten sentences that God said, and with these ten sentences, these were the, this was the way God created the entire world. So we're coming to the first uh, time when we see Vayomer um, Elohim and God said. Again, we've got to pay attention to the fact that the word Elohim, um, the word used for God, is the word that we explained in our first session, is God as manifested in nature, when God conceals himself and clothes himself in nature. So God comes around... And he says, let there be light. Now, the Talmud and many, many, many of the, of, of the rabbis start arguing what light was this? Because if you follow the verses, you will see only much later on the fourth day did God create the sun, the moon, and the stars. So it cannot be that we are, um, talking about the light of the sun. And so a big discussion ensues in our teachings about what is this light that was created on the first day. So let's take a ride and, 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 and let's look at the various commentaries. So the Talmud in Chagiga states that this light created on the first day is identical with the luminaries, which we will see in verse 14, because what happened was that light was created on the first day, and all that happened on the fourth day was that God suspended those lights in its, their, their, their heavenly places. So when it says, Vayahi Ora, and God created light, that light was created, all that happened on the fourth day was that God put that light into place. Um, and you will see that on the fourth day, there isn't the word of, and God created they use the word and God suspended, okay, nitlu, meaning that light in our verse does designate the sun, the moon, the stars, which were created on the first day, along with heaven, earth, light, darkness, air, water. But this was the potential that happened on this day. And if you do follow and you read the Bible very carefully, you will see that from this day, until the fifth day, you will not find the words created or formed. The majority of the rabbis hold like that, though other rabbis hold that this wasn't the light as we understand the sunlight today, as we understand the day today, but rather the light that was created on the first day was special and it was reserved and it it's it 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 was eventually put away. We are taught that God saw this light being unbelievably good and realized that with this light, p 
people who are wicked will take it and they will use it for the wrong reasons. And so our rabbis tell us that God hid this light away only for those who are um, who are tzaddikim, who are righteous, and will be able to benefit from the light in a positive way. Um, one of the teachings we are told about this light is that if you use this light, if you were enveloped in this light, if you saw this light, if, if it entered into you, you're able to see from one side of the world to the other. And that, again, doesn't mean just does, doesn't necessarily mean physically, but means that you would have an intuition, you'd have a perception, you'd have an understanding about things that are far greater than what we have today in the world of what you see is what you get. It wouldn't be so concealed and us to only understand the physical reality. So the real light that was created today in the, on the first day, okay, had the, uh, it, it was a, 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 almost like a potential light that, that illuminated, that embodied, that, that, that sunk into every corner of, of, of the world, almost like an understanding, a perception of godliness. And when God created the sun, the moon, and the stars, they're not or, they weren't considered light, they were considered ma'or, luminaries, matters which radiate. So this creation of light wasn't the way we understand it, that, you know, he put in a light bulb and, and, and he switched things on. It was the fact that this this knowing, this understanding permeated everywhere and it enlightened the world. It lit up the world. And um, we know from the previous verse that the darkness was really all-pervading. Um, we read in the, in the verse, and I'm going to get it again for you. It says here, The world was astonishingly empty. There was a darkness, okay, that was lying on the surface of the deep. And God then creates this light, this knowing, this understanding. Via he or, there was light. At once there was light. Radiation developed and God enlightened this world. The Ma'am Loez comments that this light was so strong that it could be compared to a small house that is abundantly illuminated with large candles. Um, and a light by which one could gaze from one end of the world to the other and even see minute, invisible particles. So this light was, was far greater. It was more than an enlightenment. And what God did was that he permeated this entire world with the knowing of God. That you really can skin God in one of two ways. You can go and say, I can't see God. I don't see him around. Um, I have absolutely no proof of his existence. Or you can actually stop and you can look beyond the physical reality. And if you start, whether you're dissecting the human body and seeing the, 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 the complexity and the brilliance of the human body, or you're sitting in awe of a huge mountain and a valley and a river, and you're starting the complexity of that, you'll be able to see that God actually is in, is, is within absolutely everything that 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 God created. And then God goes and says, Vayar Elokimita or God sees this light, Kitov, that it that it is good. 
that it was a good light. And Rashi goes and explains that this light was so good that God realized that it should not land up in the hands of the wicked people. So he hid it away. But nevertheless, it was a good light, meaning that it gave the world meaning. It gave the world a mission. It gave the world an understanding. It gave, it illuminated the world into what it, um, it was supposed to be. And what it did is it took away the darkness, this darkness that we had at the beginning of creation, which was really the fact that, um, one could not see, one could not understand, one could not perceive the, the reason, um, the, the raison d'etre of the world. Once that, this light at the first day of creation was brought into this world, there was a clarity, and therefore it was good. And then God does something interesting. Vayavdel Elohim, God separates, um, the 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 light and the darkness. He said he he divides up between the darkness and between the light, um, and he makes a separate existence because um, uh, for them. And really, what happens over here is that we go into an understanding now that there is a difference. There is there is two paths one can follow in life: the path of enlightenment. Of, un- of understanding, of deep perception, of, of intuition, of looking at things deeply. And then one can also land up in a state where it's dark, where there is confusion that's astonishingly empty. There is no reason. And we've got a choice in life. God says the aura was good. This, the light, the enlightenment that one can get has to is is a good light and it's something that we should all try and uh try and uh, a- a- achieve now one of the other things is is that when a light comes on okay it it awakens okay it awakens one's perceptions and allows one to to understand things and the darkness, on the other hand, when there is the absence of light, what darkness allows is it gives one an opportunity to relax from, I guess, from stimulation. Like this, they're, they're interesting contrasts. We, 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 for example, could not bear constant light. Okay. We have to go out in the world, be enlightened, understand, perceive, dig deep, do what we have to do, and then by nature we have to retract and we have to go into a darker place, into a a, a cl- more closed, quieter place, regain regain our strength, and then we we have to uh, we we can go out into the world again. And God sowed this into the very fabric of life. In fact, a halacha is derived from this fact that. We cannot have light all the time. We must have darkness and then we must have light. There's a very interesting halacha. We know that when it comes to Saturday evening, um, we can, we, we, we do the, 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 the blessings of havdalah, where havdalah meaning to separate, where we separate between the holiness of Shabbat and the rest of the week. And we use three items to create that separation. 
One is lighting a candle. The other is smelling basamim, smelling a a um, a spice. Generally, cloves is, is is a good one. Some people use others, and um, drinking of wine. Now, the halacha says that at the havdalah service, unless one can derive some benefit from the light, one cannot use that light. Okay, meaning you will see that when we make the blessing on the Havdalah candles, men will come up and they will allow the light to shine in the reflection of their nails. Now, I don't want to get too much into the Kabbalistic meaning of it, but one of the reasons we do that is that they should benefit from the light. And the rabbis go and teach that in order for us to benefit from the light, there has to be darkness, there has to be darkness, therefore we should benefit from the light. There is this interplay between between the two. And it's important that we live our lives this way. I learned a very, very interesting idea just in regard to light and darkness. It, the, the, the lesson was physiological, but I think it, it had a, an effect mentally. Um, and I'm sure if I hung around a lot, uh, much longer, it would have also affected spiritually, etc. A couple of years ago, my husband and I found ourselves in Alaska and uh, we actually were there in the two weeks. The one week was the height of the summer solstice, meaning that was the period where light, the, the, the light of the sun was there for 20 of the 24 hours. There was only four hours of dark, and even that four hours of dark wasn't complete darkness. It was almost like you were living in a, a dusk sensation. Now, we traveled around Alaska for two weeks, and so... We were finding ourselves with the fact that the sun was coming up at four o'clock in the morning and going down, uh, um, setting somewhere at about eleven thirty, twelve o'clock. In fact, the week of the summer solstice, we were in Anchorage for Shabbos, and uh, I think I lit candles somewhere around about quarter to twelve on Friday night. Uh, Shabbos came out. Saturday night, actually going into Sunday morning at 10 past two in the morning. It was, it was a crazy lifestyle. You carried, you, you like, you woke up in the morning, the sun was like, you know, like almost at its zenith, like at, at eight, nine o'clock, the sun was really high in the sky. It was really, really bright. And you continued on your day and you ran and you did and you looked and we came and we went. And, um, eventually your body kind of starts tiring out and, it's still light and you'll have supper and it's still light and you can go find something to do in the evening and you come back and it's still light. Um, and it was like very hard to put yourself to go to sleep. You know, all the places that we obviously stayed at the hotels and, and whatnot had these, these blackout curtains. Um, and I, I, I landed up speaking to, to, to some people and I said, and how can you live like this? And obviously when it comes into the winter, the entire thing, you know, is, is belly. It's turned uh, on its belly because then what happens is, is that you have complete darkness until round about, they said to me, under about 10, 11 o'clock in the morning is complete darkness. They have light for about four hours till about two, three o'clock. And then they plunge back into darkness. So in winter, they basically are completely enveloped in darkness for a couple of months. And when it comes to summer, they are completely enveloped in light. And I got to tell you, it made me a, li a little dilly. Like my body did not manage to, to, to cope with this intensity 
um, of light. I kept on wherever I sat. I was falling asleep. My body was saying, you know, I need to go into a proper cycle. You've, you've given your output for the day. You need to relax now. And the environment allow, around me did not allow me to to relax because it was it was bright light. Like we could be doing washing at 12 o'clock at night and you know, the lights were still on. The truth is we learned that in Anchorage there is a very, very high rate of suicide because people kind of go bonkers um, from this crazy, too much dark, too much light scenario. But bringing it back, why I'm sharing this with you is back to the creation where God created light and dark and they were there in 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 almost equal measure. God created light, God created dark. One, physiologically, we have to run with it. We have to allow our hormones to go with, you know, with, with the process of, of how the world runs. But more than that, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, one also has to go through periods, through, through time phrases, phases of enlightenment, of exploring, of, of, of creating, of being involved, of bringing more light. And then there are times that we actually have to retract and we have to, 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 to go back into ourselves. And that's why God created light and dark and he called the light Yom and he called the darkness Lila evening. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back. And we're discussing the concepts of light and dark. As uh, I was listening to the ads, I was thinking I remember another time where light and dark played a significant role. Uh, you know, a significant part of my life, and it, again, was just for a couple of days. But I learned a tremendous thing uh, once. We went, uh, we we lived on a houseboat on on in in, um, in Kariba in Zimbabwe, and uh, one of the interesting things there was that we were floating on this houseboat, really just surrounded beautifully by by the surrounds around us. We were in sync with what the natural world was really all about. There was no cell phone signals. There was no artificial light. There was absolutely nothing. And we kind of like went into sync with the way the world woke up and the way the world went to sleep. When at five o'clock in the morning, the sun rose, so did we. And uh, we we partook of the beauty and uh, we went boating and, and, and jet skiing and doing whatever it is that we, we you know, we did. And we were part of it. When the sun set, that was a sign for us too to go to sleep. And we were going to sleep pretty early. And for those couple of days, we actually ran in sync with the natural course of things. And it, it, it was quite an amazing experience. I kind of like almost felt far more relaxed, far more natural in, 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 in the way that was functioning as opposed to us where we try to manipulate the natural world. We, we put on lights when it's dark and, and, you know, when it's dark, we can, we can switch off the lights. We can, you know, darken the place for ourselves and, and, uh, artificially manipulate the, the, the situation. So this entire creation of light and dark was, was primal. To the world, physically, spiritually, emotionally, uh, mentally, it, it, it was a, a, a system of ruts, vashav, of, of going out into the world, expanding, involving, toiling, and then retracting, re-energizing, you know, reinforcing and coming back again. And so we have then from this process at the beginning of Genesis, the last of the verses that describe this day-night 
story. It says, Vayehi Erev, Vayehi Voker Yom Echad. And it was evening and it was morning one day. Now, there's a lot to be said just in that. You can see here that God measures the day, measures the 24-hour period, which I guess understood now by the listeners, not said, but I'm going to say it now. In creating this light and this dark and making a separation into the entity of day and into the entity of dark was weaved the creation of time. Okay, God begins the day at night. Vayehi Erev, Vayehi Boker. It was evening and it was day. And right throughout all six days of creation, when God has finished that day of creation, we have the saying, Vayhi Erev, Vayhi Boker. It was evening and it was day. And that is why, um, if you didn't know, that is why the Jewish calendar, Jewish holidays, the Shabbat, all the Yamim Tovim, all the Jewish holidays start at sunset. Because that is the beginning of the next day. Interestingly, we don't start on the morning. We're already 12 hours into the day then. Vayehi Erev, it was evening and it was day. God didn't say, and it was day and it was evening. Our day starts at night. And really, one can ask the question, why? Why would God have done that? It kind of almost makes more sense that you want to start the day afresh. You want illumination. You want light. You want, you know, you want to go out and get the world. And then slowly as the day wanes, then you can go into evening. Why does the day start at night? Well, there's a very interesting idea that uh, I learned this week, and that is is that this Vayehi Erev, Vayehi Bokel, it was evening and it was day, is really the process through which a human being um, lives its life, lives one's life. Meaning that in the beginning, when we are created, we are created in a, in a state of darkness, so to speak. We are created in a, a, a state where we don't understand everything. We have to grope around. We have to understand how we should eat, how we should walk, how we should talk. We go through an entire schooling to understand what this world is all about, um, how to be educated, etc., etc. And slowly we come to the dawning of, of the existence of who we are, and then we have illumination. That is the process that God weaved into the world. No little baby is born illuminated and understanding absolutely everything, knows how to walk, how to talk, how to, you know, make a business deal, how to, 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 to use a bank account, how to understand God. No, it's a process. And so just as the world went from night, from Erev into Boker, into morning, from night into day, so too our lives go from night into day. Our lives are coming from a place of concealment, of of contraction, slowly we blossom out of that darkness into the light, which I thought was really a, a very, very nice explanation. And finally, we have an anomaly at the end of this verse. Vayhi ere, vayhi boker, it was evening and it was day, yom echad. It was one day. Now the rabbi straight away swoop into the word echad. One, because for anybody who understands the Hebrew language, when we want to say the first day, we say Yom Rishon. 
That's the first day. Yom Sheni. That's the second day. Yom Shlishi. The third day. Sunday is known as Yom Rishon, as the first day. But God does not say, Vayhi Ere, Vayhi Boke, Yom Rishon. That this was evening, it was day, the first day. He goes, Vayhi Ere, Vayhi Boke, Yom Echad. That it was one day. What's the difference between it being the first day and one day? The majority of our rabbis come and teach us. This is to teach us that um, this actually teaches us a few things. The first that it comes to teach us is that it was one day as we know it, a 24-hour period. When we come to creation now and God creates time, and he puts into this universe, into this astonishingly empty space, the concept of time, of light and dark. He created time, and it was the fact that it was 24 hours. Afterwards, we got the second day, the third day, the fourth day, and, and then by implication, we know we're talking about a 24-hour period. So this kind of like knocks out the whole idea you know, that each day could have been a million years old or 500 million years long. And so not old, long, 500 million years long, 50 million years long, whatever they're coming and giving it to you. When it came to creation and time was created, it was created as a 24 hour period. That's the first lesson about Yom Echad. The second lesson, the second lesson is that Yom Echad comes to teach us that on that day, God was alone. You could read it, it was evening day, Yom Echad, it was a day of Echad, of God being alone. On that, that day, okay, nothing was created other than God being in that space. He was allowing the, the, the basic building blocks of the world to come into existence, lightness, dark, fire, air, etc. But not even the angels, um, Rashi goes and says, were created until the second day. So here we are learning that God was the solitary one, the only one. Um, and this is a very, very powerful lesson um, to, to learn that this is where we now get the concept of time. We get the concept that there is a structure um, to to the world, and there's an ebb and a flow of light and darkness that 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 gets kickstarted. That, in its entirety, is the creation of light and dark. And to summarize and end off, how do what do we have to, what can we learn from it? Going back to my discussion initially, why do we learn about Genesis? We learn about Genesis because that's where we get our mission statement from. That's where we get our understanding about what the world is and what we have to do. In life there is dark and there is light. It's cyclical. We will go through darkness. We will have lightness. We come from places of darkness and our job is to go and illuminate. And once we get into the, 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 the cycle of this, then we are able to start understanding things far greater than kind of like almost dividing it and saying, well, I'm of the, of the people. Either I'm going to be illuminated and understand and perceive and dig into what this world is all about, or I'd like to sit in a space of darkness. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. 
You are indeed, and uh, we're actually out of time um, for today. So I hope that all of you have enjoyed this lesson. Next week, I will not be on air, sadly, because of the long weekend. But uh, in the meantime, I, I wish all of you a wonderful week. I hope that uh, you gain something. And uh, as always, I encourage, find somebody out there, whether it is over the way, airwaves or whether through the Internet or sitting physically in class. We have numerous, numerous shirim given by fantastic people all around Johannesburg, certainly throughout South Africa, where you can learn a little bit more Torah and it hopefully, please God, will illuminate your life and give you the answers to who you are, why you are here, and what you should be doing. So have a wonderful week, and please God, I will join you back in two weeks' time, same time, same place.